Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Adjacent. You're listening to the Sports Adjacent. Okay, I like that. I just learned something new today. Adjacent. With Jason Leisure and Russell Dorsey on the House of L Network. We're doing everything I dreamed of as an adjacent. Imagine being in a blessed enough position where you're the only human being in the history of the world that's ever gotten a total monetary value of $700 million. It's crazy. And like the crazier part is that Lionel Messi had the title for years. I think FC Barcelona gave him that deal in 2017, $674 million. And it was a four-year deal. Soccer money is insane. It's long. That's crazy. Like that is $674 million over four years. This is basically a, a $20 million loan for all intents and purposes for showing. It's like, yeah, give me the 700, pay me on the back end. And here's my thing. You're gonna make two million a year, right? It's two million annually every July first for the next ten years, and he's then need, after that, he's gonna need roommates six, in LA. I, I think. I think Shohei. He made thirty million dollars in, in in arbitration last year. I think he's okay. The ability to say, "All right, six eighty on the back end. We'll, we'll call it square. We'll call it." Even. Yeah. <laughs> what a time. I like it in the sense, though, of like he doesn't want to lose. I mean, that's the whole reason for it. It's not because he's worried he's going to fritter away all his money and he wants it there for safekeeping. It's because he doesn't want to lose. I mean, he doesn't want to be for sure. He doesn't want to be what he just left. He doesn't want to be Mike Trout, which is fair. Like I, I think there's a lot of guys who say I don't want to. I want a team to build around me, but also not taking 98 percent of their contract deferred. Yeah, and in that sport, you can. Because that's the problem that happens in the capped sports all the time, especially football. It happens in you're seeing it right now with the Chiefs. Like, why are the Chiefs eight and five? Because they don't have any money to spend on receivers, and they didn't have the money to spend on O line. And that's part of. I, I'd rather have that problem. It's a good problem to have. We're so set at quarterback that we're going to pay the guy fifty million a year and figure everything else out. But it's the same thing that they all have gone through. It's the same thing that Brady went through. It's the same thing that Rodgers and Manning went through. When you're that good and you make that money in a capped sport like football. They can only do so much around you. Rodgers, that defense, that defense was terrible. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And Kadarius, Kadarius Tony can only catch a pass when it comes from the tight end and when he was off. <laughs> How about that? Finally wow. catches one. What a I week never, in sports it's been. I know. I, I never thought, like, I, I bet you're thinking of 10 other things than this when you say that. But I was fixated on this Giants Packers game Monday night. Like, it was a See, wild I was watching. Game. I was watching the other game. The Dolphins, Titans, they're both good. Yes. It was pretty wild that they surprisingly mm-hmm. like concurrent Monday night football games and they're both going down to the wire and one's ending a little after the other. So if you were watching the Giants Packers game, you then would catch the end of Dolphins Titans. But I was riveted by the, the Giants Packers game. Like I never thought I would be. Those are such bad, boring teams this year. But it was perfect because it was a really good finish. And 
Troy Aikman was on the call, which is my favorite. Troy Aikman is the crankiest, most irritable play-by-play man. And I don't, like, you know, I don't get to watch a lot of football because I'm usually covering a game. But I, when the Bears play, I'll rewatch their game the next day for looking for nuances and details and things like that. And anytime it's a Troy Aikman game, I love it because he's always, and I thought this was exclusively Bears, but maybe it's because I don't watch enough other football. Maybe he's like this with everything. Troy Aikman always seems personally offended by things that the Bears do in front of him. Like this is an affront to Troy Aikman watching what Nick Foles is doing or Matt Nagy is doing or them botching the coin flip in Detroit a couple of years ago or just any number of things that they're mismanaging. It always seems to be like, you know, really personally angers Troy Aikman. And Troy I like Aikman the was, honesty of it. I do too. It probably There's probably a lot of fan bases that when Troy Aikman comes around for their game, they're like, finally, finally, like, someone's yeah. saying what I've been too saying. Many, too many people in that job try to pretend that to take from us, everything's fine when everything is clearly not fine. And I like, it's refreshing to hear Troy Aikman like, I had to get out of my bed, take the private jet to this bum-ass game. And you're going to hear about it. Like, I love it. It's 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 kind of what Al Michaels now does. Because Al Michaels didn't do this on NBC. But with the Amazon games, Al Michaels is like, I hate this. I don't want to be here right now. And I'm going to talk to Jason Kelsey, even though this is a Bears-Panthers game, for the next 90 minutes. <laughs> right. Hey, Jason, can you stick around for another segment? Or like, for like another do you mind? whole game? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the, that was awesome. The, the star of the show, though, for the, the Giants thing, I, I'm sure you saw this, right, for the Giants game, uh, was Tommy DeVito's family in the crowd and his agent. What's the guy's name? Stilato? Sean Stilato. Yeah. That guy's having his 15 minutes right now. He is everywhere with the pinstripe suit and the hat. But I love Troy Aikman at the end of that game just sideswipes the entire family and basically says, like, yeah, you know, those, uh, you know, those roughnecks are going to drink a lot tonight. That's not what it's not how he said it, but it was very clear what he was saying. It's wild. These you can tell by looking at those people, they're going to be partying late into the night or something. They be getting loose, fast and loose with the words. <laughs> you can't do that. Did you see some of the fallout with the uh, with that agent Sean Stellato, who I hadn't heard of before, and uh, the Mannings? No. So the Manning on the Manning cast, they said I forget which Manning it was. I think it must have been Peyton Manning said that they had done some research and the agent's nickname in college was slimy and the agent didn't like that. And the agent said, that's not true. He was on uh, the boomer Sison radio show in New York the next day, Tuesday morning. He said, that's not true, but he responded by saying, by challenging Peyton Manning to a race in the 40 yard dash, which is just like, just like the most, it's just so spot on. It's just so you think you're better than me. Oh my gosh. I- well, we run a race. Settle this like we used to. I just, I, he had the whole fit on. He had the fedora. He had the long black trench coat. Like he wanted you to know he was Italian. It was, it looked more like a costume. A hundred percent. Yeah. A hundred percent. But good for Tommy DeVito. He's enjoying his, his, his time. And uh, it feels very insanity. In that it'll be short and. Well, soon for well, no, like or... it, it kind of took the the took the took New York by storm. I, to Jeremy oh, okay. Lin's credit, he made a career off of that moment. I don't want to discredit him. Like he made like seventy five million dollars off of Lin's sanity. Um, but just like the groundswell of love for Tommy yeah. DeVito for a guy that was an undrafted player, 
we didn't even think we'd see him. And now, you know, he lives, he, he likes, he's Italian. He wants you to know he's Italian. He lives at home in Jersey with his family. And right. Like <laughs> it's wild. I also like doing that Italian guy voice, even though I don't know if it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's okay. Me and said you could. <laughs> well, yeah. It, Cause if it was black, which, you know, you know, Ask anyway, we could ask him about that, <laughs> but he, he wants you to know he's Italian. We're from, you know, we're all, all three of us are from Chicago, so we all kind of hate this, but I gotta say you're a little bit right that like taking over New York, even for a short time, good for you, buddy. That's not easy to do. No, that's a, that's a big, big deal. If, if this is all it ever ends up being for Tommy DeVito, like, man, that guy had his day. That's for sure. I don't know if this is a good thing or a bad thing, but while you were out last week, we spent an inordinate amount of time talking with Herb Howard about mm -hmm. how we shower. And then sure enough, that was like the big topic on the TikTok this week was some TikTok influencer started some TikTok hullabaloo. I was reading about this and reading about this not on TikTok. I don't even know how to access TikTok. I guess you'd probably just go to TikTok.com or something. It, it's an app, but okay. there's an app. There you go. Okay, I let me write that down. It's an app. Got it. Uh, <laughs> but apparently, apparently, what we were talking about was I was shocked to learn that other people don't just by default take scalding hot showers. I thought that's what a shower is. A shower basically is just is always going to be hot. And apparently, people take lukewarm showers or room temperature showers, particularly Rick and. Herb said that they do this a lot, but the thing they were talking about on the TikTok this week was whether you shower face first into the water or with the water on your back. Why not both? That's an option, of course. Yeah, you, you don't have to like so declare I, it. I didn't, I didn't get a chance. I was at the winter meetings last week, so I didn't get to hear the pod. So what was Herb saying? Was it some nonsense? Well, do, do you, are you a person that always takes very hot showers or are you a person who... Define very hot. Like uh, if we're going um, zero to 100 scale, are we going, I want it at 100? I want it probably where it would hurt and then just a little below that. So as hot as is comfortable is how I they like say, They say ladies like their showers like that. Like in no disrespect, not in no disrespect, but like ladies like scalding hot shower where like third degree burns. So I like think it's Herb said. I think that's how yeah. I said that to me last week. For yeah. me, mm -hmm. I like on a zero to 100 scale, I want the water 75 to 80% on the hotness side. Okay. Like, I want to get in there and be like, oh, yeah, I don't, I'm, I'm not cold anymore. Because, you know, you get in the shower, you got to go. You but need it to have a little bit of a bite to it. Like, <laughs> yeah, you know, like when you drink hot coffee or hot tea, you know if it's warm or hot. You go. I need it to be a little bit of. I need to feel it a little bit. You want first degree burns. Yeah. See, I don't want that. Like, I, I think there is a there's a big gap between hot and first degree burns. Like when you turn the, the knob all the way. That's what I do, though, to, to this point. I turn the knob all the way while I'm about to get in the shower. And like I let it because I'm assuming everybody lets it run for a little bit. Yeah. 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 Somebody just turns turn it, it out and jumps way. in. It's going to be freezing. It's psychos do it. Um, turn it all the way hot, get ready to get in, get in, and then turn it down before I let the water touch me. 
Just a little bit. Just enough okay. where I don't have third-degree burns. Okay, Russ, something that I wonder, has this changed for you pre and post losing weight? Okay. The, the shower sweats? Yeah, the shower sweats. Because like for me, I said it's fairly seasonal dependent. Like this time of year, I'm starting to take warmer showers again. Like I would say in the summer, I'm taking lukewarm showers uh, unless it's like ungodly outside and I was doing lawn work or something Then I might take maybe not a full on cold, but a cool shower mm-hmm. right now. We're up to pretty warm. And then when we get to death cold outside, I'm taking hot showers. Cause the mm-hmm. thing is, I don't want to get out and then be putting on clean clothes and putting on mm-hmm. deodorant sweating immediately. Mm-hmm. Uh, shower sweats don't exist for me anymore. They did at a time to your point. I though get hot by nature. Like, I am just very warm that way. Like it could be 65 degrees in my apartment, which is usually cold. Like my mom always is mad at me because it's usually cold over here, but I'll get in bed. The apartment's like 67, 68 degrees, even the wintertime. And I will wake up in the middle of the night. Like my, yeah, that's a little sweat. Like I just get hot that way. I keep it dangerously cold in my house. If no one else is home, if my wife and the kids are home, I gotta, you know, it's part of, Living with other people is you got to yeah. you got to compromise. You got to find something that works for everybody. But when in the rare times where they're gone and I'm home, because it's usually the other way around with work, I will set the heat to uh, click on if it dips below 50, pretty much, because <laughs> that's perfect sleeping weather. I don't want it to get down below 50. But if it just kind of sinks down to 50, I can sleep. I can sleep till noon doing that. I, I, w- I want to hate, but I'm with you so much. But. I set the heat to be like 68, 69, 70 is the highest my temperature will ever go. Unless one, I'm sick, like I was a couple of weeks ago, or two, I have somebody that's not just me here. Yeah, you because have to it's work always together. It's, you have to come. It's always the visitors that want it warm. Like my mom's I'm like, it's cold in here. I'm like, all right, mom. I have blankets. Like, so I'll do that. Like, as opposed to turning the heat up, I'll just give her a blanket or some socks or something. I That's what I do with my kids. That's my cheap dad move. Because I think if it was up to my wife, she would probably set the thermostat to 75 during the winter. Mm-hmm. And I'm probably would set it more closer to 60 during the day and say, hey, this would be fine. You know, if you're cold, put a coat on. We got lots of blankets in this house. We got lots of sweaters, lots of lots of jackets, lots of thick socks. But then everyone would just be wearing their winter coat all day in the house, I think. It should, t- how, like, I think there's times here in our city, and depending on where people are, like, I was in Miami uh, over the weekend for my, my boy's wedding. And let me tell you, buddy, I can see why you spent uh, almost a decade there. So it wasn't winter. Win- no, winter is usually kind of around this time of year. It's usually more likely in January, winter is in Miami. For, and it's for four days. So you missed Dude, that. It was 75 degrees every day I was there. And what a treat. What a delight. Like I went out for, I was staying in Coral Gables, mm-hmm. went for a run. It was, it was great, man. Like I, I get it. I really do. <laughs> <laughs> there's a, there's a lot to get. There's a lot to get there. There's the, uh, there's the no state income tax, but you do pay for it. In a couple of ways, when you live in Miami, you pay for it in the summer, mm-hmm. which I was fine with. I don't mind it being hot outside. But hot uh, and, and humid. That seems like that would be tough for me. It's like a sauna 
when you go out to walk the dog at 11 o'clock at night in the summer. It's still how it cools down so nicely here in the summers. It'd be really hot here to be, you know, low 90s. Then it still cools down nicely at night. It doesn't do that there in the summer. It's 95 during the day and 91 at night. Like it it doesn't. That sounds terrible. That's why the the water is always warm. I could not do that. Like I've thought about that of like, (laughs) what could I tolerate more? And I guess just because of living here, you know, you deal with the cold. (laughs) You get all the varieties. But the hot and humid, like I, mind you, when I went to New Orleans, it was it was a dumb time to go. There was a reason we wanted that time, but it was like early July. Nah, there's no dumb time to go to New Orleans. That's well, in terms of temperature, yes, it, it was like 95 with 95% humidity the entire time. There were like the 10 minute bursts of torrential downpour and you just duck into a shop or something and just wait it out. It was like, I loved New Orleans. I did not like, like to the point where we had to do laundry while we were there because we we didn't bring enough shirts. To Campy's point, I get hot and sweat thinking about sweating. So like, mm-hmm. I don't want any parts of humidity. Like I can do some heat. I can even do like I don't like anything over seventy five personally. But like summertime, give me eighty, give me eighty five. We're good money as long as there's zero percent humidity. And we live in a city in Chicago where. It's not Miami, but it gets pretty humid here because of the lake and all that stuff in the summertime. So, like, I don't like that at all. So I'm with Campy 100% on New Orleans. Like, I've been in the summertime where at 2 a.m., the windows are fogged up because it's cool on the inside and humid on the outside. When I first moved from the north to the southeast was for college. So when I was 18, moved from Chicago down to New Orleans to start at Tulane and they started playing. We they start uh, intramural football right away in August and September, and I was that was one of the things I had always heard was really fun about college. I want to do that. That sounds cool. And uh, our first game down there was a Sunday afternoon game, and I was uh, this will shock you, even if, even knowing it was just intramurals, but I was a very mobile quarterback. I was like a Michael Vick type runner against that competition. Probably not against any other competition. Uh, The intramural competition. Yeah. So I ran all over everybody, whatever, and we won. And then I went back to my dorm room and just threw up all over the place. (laughs) Oh, damn. My man was super dehydrated. That that climate was rough. So do you think that prepared you, though, to say, all right, I can live a decade in Miami because I lived four years in New Orleans? Yeah. Yes. It's hotter in Miami. Miami's the only place in the country, I think, that just stays hot year-round. Mm-hmm. There are other places that are okay year-round. Southern California, Arizona, even the South, even the Gulf states, New Orleans, whatever. They they don't ever get horribly cold. Um, and even in Arizona, I don't know. I don't know if LA and Arizona ever actually get cold. I'm not even sure. But Miami's there's times where you look at that map. You know that map you'd see in the newspaper where it would have the color-coded temperatures when you were a little kid, and the only part that'll be red will be Miami. There's times a year where that's the case. It's so far south. People don't realize how far south it is compared like to LA, for example. It's well south on on the uh what is that, the latitudes? Yeah. It's well yeah. it's well south compared to even Los Angeles. I'm glad you had a good time down there, man. Listen, no, I was I was literally like I was walking around Coral Gables the morning of my friend's wedding after I didn't went on a run. When Starbucks got some coffee, he was walking around, and I'm like, man, 
Yeah, I can see why Jason like living down here. This is this is it's I said it's December 9th, and I'm chest all out in Miami. Mm-hmm. Everybody out here looking good, getting their coffee in the morning. This is like I could I could do this, and then I said I could not do 90% humidity year round, or at least during the, those summer months. Did you see is- Kanye? Did I see Kanye down there? Yeah, yeah, he was down in Miami, I think, at the same time. So it was it was Art Basel. Yeah. While I was down there, and I made sure not to get in any of the Art Basel nonsense. Mm-hmm. Was, they were shutting down everything. Like it's in mm-hmm. Winwood for everybody out there. It's kind of like New York Fashion Week for art, the young successfuls, the music people, the athletes, they all come down to Miami for that. So hotel rooms were ridiculously expensive <laughs> over the weekend, but I went to this like really nice rooftop bar, had a beautiful view of Brickle. Like it was, it was really nice. And in another life, I could maybe see, but I would have had to start earlier than I did now. Like I can't move to Miami right now. Why? Why? What are you talking about? You're a young man still. I don't know, man. I turned, I turned 29 yesterday and I'm in my complaining phase and I'm going to be complaining. Already? Well, thirty around the corner—that's where you really start complaining about shit. It, it, I, I think you're supposed to make it a little farther past that. No, I'm, I'm, no I think I, that's about I, right. I don't, I don't like, I don't like the heat. And if I really had to be honest about it, I couldn't. Music's live down too there. loud. I couldn't that live down there half the year. Like right now, it's gorgeous. Would love right. it. It's 75, no humidity. I could walk on the beach. I could walk around with no shirt on. Cool. But in July, if it's 101 with 100 percent humidity, I don't want to be here. I understand because you know I mean, me. I like running. You, I like running, and I like running on the lake and stuff. And I, I can do that in the spring and summer and fall. You can't do that in Miami. Like you shouldn't run outside a hundred degrees or ninety degrees and hundred percent humidity. I used to look at that as a challenge uh, to be able to do that. I've not I mean, been able to look at running in the cold the same way. I don't run out. I don't run in Chicago unless it's it's got to be at least sixty degrees. If it's under sixty, I'm inside on the treadmill for sure. Nah, you gotta get some Under Armour. No, put the, that's not the leggings on. I don't even want to. I don't want to. I don't want to tough it out and do that. I really don't. The I'll close, just stay soft. It's fine. The closest I get is figuring out. Treadmill. Figuring out like this temperature when it's like a high around forty, that it's the perfect weather for like your not winter coat, but like a heavier like sweatshirt. But when you get in the car and it's sunny out, you're yeah. boiling, you're sweating. Yep. So you have to decide, are you going to sweat or are you going to be cold when you're getting to the car? I generally yep. choose cold getting to the car because I, if I can avoid sweating at basically all costs, like that's that's what a lot of what my life revolves around. That's the whole goal, huh? Yes. Just don't it. break a sweat. <laughs> Let's let's start the show with the unsweaty Rick Camp. Welcome to Sports Adjacent. I'm Jason Leisure. My co-host Russ Dorsey is back from the winter meetings. I want to ask you about that really quickly. I'm not going to do baseball talk with you, but I have Please, a specific question. Talk a, a lot of baseball. Question about all of you guys complaining about the winter meetings. Don't and put your eyes on that. Please. I just there's been a lot of consternation about baseball writers lately. I don't want to be thrown in the mix. Okay then I will give you the opportunity to take a flamethrower to your peers. And we have producing today, Rick Camp. He's here indefinitely. We don't know 
When? I'd love to tell you guys, hey, Tony Gill's coming back, but we don't ever know when that's going to be. Did Tony hit the pause button? You just I thought it was this me. week. I thought it was this week. Do you see him? Well, I, I, to your point, I don't. <laughs> right. <laughs> this, I is what this is what I'm describing. You told me this week. He told me this week. This is how these communications usually go. He didn't tell me <laughs> shit. <laughs> also how it goes. I saw um, him and his family yesterday, actually, and they're, they're doing great. It's one of the cutest babies I've ever seen in my life. Beautiful baby. Tone seems happy. His wife seems happy. His in-laws are thrilled. Mm-hmm. Uh, good, good things going on for Tony Gill, and I'm looking forward to everybody getting to hear about that whenever he returns, whenever Tony Gill washes ashore here in 2020. Sports adjacent. Right. Uh, sports adjacent is brought to you by Sheets and Giggles. You can go to our link, sheetsgiggles.com slash SA, and get their great offer the entire month of December. Still time when you get this episode to do your Christmas shopping and have it get there in time. Uh, it is buy one, get one half off at sheetsgiggles.com slash SA. So get something for someone else and get half off of whatever you're getting for yourself. Get the sheet set, get the hybrid flannels, get the throw blanket, the duvet, whatever you want over there, the pillow, the mattress, they got tons of good stuff. I cannot emphasize enough how important it is to take care of yourself when you're sleeping. You need a good setup for sleep. That affects your whole next day when you wake up. Go to sheetsgiggles.com slash SA. Buy one, get one half off. Great deal. Sports Jason is also brought to you by BetMGM. You can go to betmgm.com or download the BetMGM app and get this offer with our promo code adjacent1000. Your first bet with BetMGM gets paid back in free future betting credits up to $1,500 if you don't win. You can bet on college football bowl games. NFL has still got four weeks left at the time that you hear this. Tons of big games left. Uh, make it a little more interesting for yourself. Put 20 bucks on it. Put whatever you want on it. Go do it at BetMGM. Use our promo code adjacent1000 and get your first bet paid back in free future betting credits up to $1,500 if you don't win. BetMGM, the king of sportsbooks. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun? Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Russ, tell me if I have this right. You guys are all down in Nashville for the winter meetings. Yes. Can and I tell you about the, the, the setup real quick? I would, yes, please. So Was it, it good? wasn't... Grand Ole Opry or something, or what yes, are you guys yeah. at? So it wasn't downtown Nashville, which or Opryland, Opry, yeah. Opryland Hotel, right? I yeah. love downtown. I love Nashville as a city. Like I think it's an awesome place to be. I have a lot of friends down there. It's always a good time when I'm in Nashville. But it wasn't in downtown Nashville, right? 
it wasn't at the convention center down there yeah. or the Omni or anything like that where I usually stay. It was at the Gaylord Opryland, which is like 30 minutes away from downtown Nashville. Yeah, it's in the suburbs. It's like an outlet mall out there and stuff. Monstrosity of a venue, right? Like the day I get there, I walk in Sunday of the winter meetings. It's chaotic. People running around with bags and stuff. And I'm saying what's up to people. Check in. And the bellman comes. And the bellman's probably in the 60, 65, has a limp coming over with a cart. (laughs) Hey, you need help with your bags? And I'm looking at him. And I think of myself and I'm like, what do I look like as this big, hulking, muscular figure giving you like, yeah, buddy, take my bags and have you limp around this big place? I didn't know it was that big at the time as of a, a venue. And he says, well, show me where you I said, no, nah, I'm good. He's like, well, show me where you're staying. And I show him where my room was. He's like, oh, no, you're going to you're going to need some help. He takes my bag. Dog, we walk for 12 minutes. To get to my room. It is what I found out the seventh largest hotel in the United States. It's like Vegas where everything's in, in there and you don't walk outside. Like yes, it has but 12 bigger. restaurants. Yes. It has 12 it's restaurants. It's bigger than any of the Vegas five bars, anything like that. Like it's like mall of America. If you put hotel rooms in there, that's a great way to oh. describe it. Can't, can't be you. So you've never seen this place. I've not. been, I've been there a couple times. It is like an ecosystem, all indoors. So there's different branches of the hotel. Like he said, there's tons of restaurants. There's outdoor-like space indoors. Mm-hmm. It is just enormous. And I, when he said that he had to walk 12 minutes, which that's that's six-tenths of a mile probably. <laughs> that Dude, didn't surprise like me at all. That did I not surprise 20, me at all. I 20,000 steps every day. I'm surprised they don't have a monorail to take you to places like that. That's an awkward situation, though, with the with the elderly bellman. And I I have this come up sometimes, where you have a, a bellman or a uh, in, uh, a lift driver, for example, and are they going to take your bag and load it in the back? And I almost always tell those guys, especially at the airport where it's busy, we're just trying to get out of there. I almost always wave them off, and like I'll just put it in, just open the trunk, let's get out of here. But when when it's an older person and they're insisting upon it. I, how do you tell them no? I think I always kind of hope like, they'll I realize. I didn't it. have cash for a tip or anything. So I'm like, dog, you blew you didn't my tip the guy after like he walked. I didn't have cash. No, I'm not. And that's, mad what, at that's you. one of the reasons I said at you. no. No, I'm not mad at you for that because that happens. I, I don't know if I have $5 cash in my wallet right now, but I'm just thinking about the guy like, oh, he insisted on dragging your bag that's, six tenths of a mile and then you didn't have cash to tip him. It's not your fault. It's just kind of a bad break. We don't live in the era of cash. I know, man. I have, I, to your point, I got cash for the first time and I can't tell you how long, but off the strength of my aunt, God bless her. She's the best. Every year since I was a kid, she'd give me an envelope of a gift and she'd give me $10 when I turned 10. She'd give me $8 when I turned eight. She did the same thing for me when I turned 29 and she's the best. So that's the literally the only reason I have cash. And I could probably count on Because you just hands. got $29? Yes. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so I could probably count on both hands how many times I've had actual physical cash this year. Do you know what I use cash for? The only thing I can even think of. Haircuts? That I use. My wife cuts my hair. The only oh, thing yeah. I can even think of that I use cash for is to pay my children allowance. Mm. That's it. Kids like cash. That's the only time I need cash. 
I have in my phone, my phone has this case with a flap on it. I have a $20 bill folded up in there as an emergency 20. That's the same one that's always been there. I, there would never be a situation where I would need that. I don't know why I'm doing that. It, it's a weird flex to be like, you know, I could have $20 if I needed to, just so you guys know. I always feel like I I would like to have cash on me more readily available than I do because, you know me, like I stop and get my iced coffee, Dunkin' Donuts every morning before I go to the studio. And when I walk down there, there's usually a a homeless person or two down there like, hey, man, could you give me a cup of coffee or something like that. And I, unless I'm in a rush, I normally always do, right? If I can. Um, but I'd like to give them a couple dollars here and there and then go get them a little something to eat or something and get a bagel or something and Dunkin' Donuts. But I usually, 98% of the time, don't have cash. And I feel bad, even though, like, I'm not saying, get out of here, homeless dude. It's just like, damn, I wish I had something to give you, Doug, but I don't have cash. A lot of them I see now, though, they they have a sign and they'll it'll say this is my cash app account. Ah, see, I, think I I would get them right if, that, if they adapting, if I met adapting more to like the that. cashless world. I think cash is better in theory than in practice these days, where it's like yeah, you'd like yeah. to have it, but then you use yeah. it and then you get change. Yeah, I don't want this. And it's this like noisy yeah. change. What, what am I gonna do with this change? I already got keys in my pocket. Got my wallet. I don't want to have change. So then, when you have to pull out the keys, you end up pulling out like some of the right. change. And right, no. And I'm at a point where I don't even use my card that much anymore. Like a physical like, plastic card, you mean? Yeah, like I'm using yeah. Apple Pay for everything these days. I so know. Like, that's why. That's why I have this this twenty dollar bill in the phone is in case I ever get to a situation where I need it. But why? Right. Why would I even need it? Even if I forgot my wallet, I could just pay right. with the phone. Right. And now it's. If you if you get to Christmas time or your birthday or something and your grandparent gives you a $50 bill or a $100 bill, it's very nice. It's very nice mm -hmm. that you're giving your grown adult grandchildren money, anything at all. So thank you. Thank you, Grandpa, if you're listening. But what am I supposed to do with this? What am I, what am I, how do I even spend this $100 bill? What, what am I going to do? Grandpa wants you to go to the bank, get 100 singles yeah. out, and have a good time. <laughs> <laughs> I was, and so, to, but to your point, to your point, How do I use this. I remember the Christmas that my mom and dad gave me and my brother each a hundred dollar bill. It was one of the coolest moments I've ever had because I'm like, mm -hmm. oh my God, I'm holding a hundred dollar bill. You only see this in like yeah. rap videos and stuff. LCJC <laughs> 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 or Ludacris or TI with a hundred dollar bill. Like, I've never held one of these. And so you're like, oh shoot! Then you get the look, point Joe. Where we got ludicrous money, right? And then you're just like, I don't even want to spend this because I'm like, oh, I don't want to get rid of my hundred dollar bill. And then you see something that you want, and then you go spend your hundred dollar bill. But like, I it was so there was such a time where I'm like, yo, this is the pinnacle of. Like, I feel rich. I feel rich with my hundred dollar bill in hand. It came. They put it in a little envelope, and I'm like, oh my goodness, I'm a millionaire. Nice and crisp. Yes, with the it's like somebody ironed it, like a drug dealer, or something like it was just crispy hundred dollar bill. Well, my kids, I have a, a twelve year old and a nine year old that we give allowance to, and, and which I'm kind of against because we're paying them to do stuff that they should do anyway. But you can't teach your kids about money if they never have money. So we do pay them. We pay the twelve year old more, but the nine year old is the one that always has money. The nine year old always has money. 
because every dollar that goes to Grace, it just slides right through into a vending machine or uh, somewhere where they sell candy at the register or whatever. It's gone so fast. Anna, the nine-year-old, makes two-thirds of what Grace makes, but always is flush with cash. So I don't know if it's being the youngest because that was me. But that was my question is I wanted to know which one were you. No, I was the one with always had cash. Like I had my Allen Iverson lunchbox and I kept my trading cards, my Barry Bonds trading card and all that. And then like, <laughs> I don't know why, but like a roll of cash in a rubber band. <laughs> anytime I needed again, you saw in video. You talked yeah. to my parents. They was like, "No, that's like how Ludacris money. keeps his money." And it made my mom laugh because my granddad used to keep his money like that with just a rubber band around it. <laughs> and so my, I would come out sometimes, and my mom would say, "All right, you want to go to the store and buy a game or something?" I'd be like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah let me get my money real quick." And I'd come out with this like, and she was probably concerned, like, "Yo, what are you doing at school where you have all this money wrapped <laughs> in this rubber band?" Um, but. Yo, you couldn't, you couldn't, I always had it because I didn't want to, I didn't want to have to ask my parents and them say no, which would make me angry. Um, So I always wanted to have some money on the side so they couldn't tell me anything. <laughs> you know what I mean? Also, this is I- his own secret bank account. Yes. And it was, it's actually the thing that like my parents loved that I, I saved money like nobody's business. Can't nobody like, if I wanted no something, this you, can't, hey, you can't tell me no, I can't. A grand in my in my Allen Iverson lunchbox. Like, what do you? What is no? Um, but I that was think, some. Go ahead. I was gonna say I think it made me a really good spender of money, and it made me really responsible when it came to money because I could I could tell myself no. I could be like, all right, could I buy this? Yeah, but how much money would I have left over in my lunchbox? Nah, I should probably wait. I'm gonna wait, and then. When I got older, it made me very conscious. All right, how much do I have? What can I spend comfortably? Have a little bit left over and feel good about it. Yeah, I can do this. I don't have to do it. It's my money. Can't nobody tell me. So I think it's funny as a kid, but looking back, it made me very financially responsible. Well, that's good. That's good. I have the same. It was really fun. I, I have the same experience with my kids, where like that you're describing with your mom, where. I'll get my nine-year-old's wallet, and it's a kitty cat wallet. Mm -hmm. It looks like the wallet a nine-year-old girl would have. Hell you unvelcro yeah. un it, and you're, where did all these twenty-dollar bills come from? How much money do you have in here? Yeah, there's hundred and forty dollars in here. Yeah, and, and my twelve-year-old daughter Grace is always asking me, always hitting me up for money. She's always, hey, Dad, hey, man, you get to get a yeah. get a little five dollars. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. Hey, man, if you could pay yeah. five dollars real quick, can I can I get two dollars to buy a, a laffy taffy at church tonight or something? <laughs> and I gotta I gotta come up with some chore for her. It's more work for me. I, well, okay, if you go vacuum my room, I'll give you I'll give you a dollar fifty or something like that. <laughs> my parents made it hard, man. Like when you're talking about Otani. Yeah, and when he was looking at going to the Blue Jays or paying taxes in California, there is no tax rate in the world higher than uh, in my family when I was growing up <laughs> because my parents had us basically, basically the tax rate was 55% because out of every $10 that you got, $1 was going to church, which that part I'm fine with that I still do. 
And then the other money, the remaining nine was split in half between you can spend half and save half. So I don't even know. Can't be, maybe you can do the math on this for me. I don't even know how much actual money I'd have to make to be able to have $100. Because I know if I had $100, that's really only 45 So to, to 10 or to 20 Something right? like that is what I would have to come up with. I'd have to come up with $220 to have $100. I was horrendous with saving money. Shockingly, that's something I've really had to learn and be better with, like making a, a true conscious effort to be better with my money because I'm like, I'm the oldest. So I'm the one making the mistakes uh, mm-hmm. at, at first. And hopefully my brothers are better than I am when it comes to that. But I have always been pretty brutal. Like there was a stretch in middle school. So my middle school was like walking distance for middle school me. And even though I, I, I was supposed to be getting on the bus, there was a stretch of time where I had a little, I don't remember why I had a little bit of money, but I was like, I'm not dealing with this lunch that I get made that I I don't really want. You know what I'm doing? Stopping at the jewels, which is right on the way. Get me some candy, some crap that I can eat for lunch. Look like a big shooter, head off to middle school. And then I would, my mom would be like, why do you have no money? And why haven't you been on the damn bus? (laughs) Yeah. You were asking me about the winter meetings before we get on, oh, on yeah, our money tangent. That. Yeah. Um, I will answer those questions. I'm assuming you were asking why were people all angry? Well, it seemed like, and correct me if I'm misunderstanding this. Let me just put it out there how I have understood what's happened mm-hmm, mm-hmm. with the baseball reporters at large. Maybe not you, but the baseball yeah. reporters at large yeah. is all you guys from Seattle and LA and New York and Boston and Miami and everywhere around the country, all the baseball cities went down to Nashville and they didn't give you guys news. The hell I gave up a week, came down here, flew down here. Some elderly bellman walked my suitcase 12 minutes to my room and you don't give me news. Make some news. Give me some news. How dare you not give us news. To your point, I think that was an accurate depiction of why people were upset. For me personally, do you want news? Yes. Do you make the most of the time while you're down there talking to sources and people, et cetera, seeing your friends in the industry? That's really not. Yes. But you do want news because you're down there for a reason. You want things to talk about. You want to be able to go on these shows and, you know, write and be able to have stuff for people other than. Well, we still waiting. <laughs> That's no fun. The last day of the winter meetings, the day actually everybody left, like Wednesday, Wednesday night, uh, Juan Soto got traded to the Yankees, right? That's a monster move. But it's the last night at like 10 o'clock, people getting hammered at that point when, <laughs> when that's going down. Yeah, I, I think people want things to happen, but it's one of those things like, if you think about the history of baseball, the winter meetings are like a, a big deal because that's where a lot of stuff gets happening. And you have yeah. agents in the same room with executives and they're hammering out deals or teams are going to other teams suites and say, hey, man, we want this player. What what trade can we work out? So I think for me, it's uh, as a national reporter, it's a good time of source building and networking and, and all that. And, you know, you if you get a nugget and you have some news, cool. Um, like for me, it's one of those things where you start tracking information. So like information that I started getting last week, I was able to turn that into breaking news this week. All those little things are important. To your point, 
I think people were fed up because I think there was this feeling that Shohei Otani, who now signed with the Dodgers on a 10-year, $700 million deal, knew a month and a half ago that he wanted to sign with the Dodgers. And if that was the case, couldn't he have signed with the Dodgers uh, four weeks ago, three weeks ago, last week at the winter meetings, which in theory also held up the rest of the free agent and trade market because nobody's going to do anything until they know where the big guy is going. Yes. So I think for all those reasons, people were cranky. The, the, the big national guys were mad at him, too, and his representation. I think leaking there was stuff. what are you doing? I not think, leaking us stuff. That's what it really means. <laughs> I think for the first time, why is he being guy, so secretive? Really means leak me some stuff. A guy chose to say, I want things in house, right? Where he was the one that broke his signing on Instagram with a low yeah. resolution Dodgers logo. Um, so his agent sent an email out that said, Hey, we're happy to announce the, the show. Hey, is signing with the Dodgers on a 10 unprecedented historic 10 year, $700 million deal. <laughs> with unprecedented deferrals to ensure that he would be able to compete and the Dodgers could build around him and all this other stuff. And I think he played the game perfectly. And I think there's a little, I think people like Shohei Otani and they didn't like the, uh, everything that was sort of revolving around him to get the free agent decision where people felt like this isn't Shohei, but at the end of the day, like you earn your right to do whatever the hell you want as a free agent. And if I'm the best player in the world, yeah, you're going to have to wait for me. Right. I'm not going to rush into some decision and you'll be fine. So, yeah, that's, that's the, what I, from my that's the es- that's the essence of what I'm hung up on with the winter meetings frustration in general is. I understand, too, what you're saying is right, that as far as just as a casual baseball fan, never been a baseball reporter, that does seem to be when the news happens. It does seem to be kind of an informal deadline of this is when the deals get done, when the big offseason trades and signings and everything, it'll all happen. If it doesn't happen before the winter meetings, it's going to happen at the winter meetings. You got everybody together, sort of. And it, it progressively has gotten less and less like that, it seems, from the outside. But I don't understand the idea of, well, you owe us news, baseball. Like, I don't go to the combine every year for the NFL and it'd be like, what the hell, entire league? Make a trade for me. Like, you go there and you do what you're saying is you go and you talk to people. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot to do. I imagine they, they could have gone all week, not had the Soto trade, not had any news, and you would have had plenty to do. There is plenty of work to be done with all those people in the same place. It's valuable. And for sure. And everybody said, hey, man, ain't nothing going on because people are waiting for Shohei. People don't know what their budget is going to be if, if they don't sign Shohei. They don't know what their backup plan is going to be once Shohei. So like, all those things were happening. And I think that's all valuable information. Is it some stuff we already knew? Sure. But I think it's our responsibility to give things context. And so for me, I wasn't as caught up in the, the hell's going on. Sure. I want to see news like everybody else. At the same time, every year's not going to be like this. Every free agent process isn't going to be like this. And he's not the first guy to hold up the market. That's the part that bothered me is I think people felt like he did something that, that has never been done. Bryce Harper didn't sign until spring training when he signed his deal with the Phillies. So like, He's not the first one. He won't be the last one. I think he's the best one, though, right? He's the generational one and got the most money that we'll see in a long, long, long time until inflation catches up with us. So something I'd want to know from both of you guys, because you guys are in it much more than than I have been. And it's not news breaking isn't necessarily your guys' primary function in your roles, but. Could some of that frustration, and I'm trying to really 
help these guys out here just be could it be editors or whoever you know higher ups being like hey why do we have nothing why is it that all we have is insinuation and you know the groundwork being laid like you mentioned where you know they're trying to make fetch happen but but they can't make that happen if the deals aren't getting done to the point where they're getting some pressure i think for me I think breaking news is more of a thing that I do now than when I was like on the beat. And so like, I think the winter meetings are important for beats because it's the last time you'll get to talk to your GM or president of baseball operations until spring training, right? The rest of the off season, this is the last time you get face-to-face interaction with that person. So I think it's important for that reason. But to your point on, is this something that people above the writers and reporters want? maybe right like he can drive engagement if he ain't got nothing to engage um and so i don't necessarily think that's 100 percent the case but i think people would love to have a shohei story up because anything i've learned over the last six years is that shohei does numbers right for people that i've talked to people that work on worked on that angels beat it was like hey man anything you write about shohei does crazy numbers so find ways to do that so, yeah, I, I think there's a little bit of that, not a ton, but I think at the end of the day, it's just people wanted movement and active offseason because there's this long slog of nothing going on. And everybody knew he was the big domino that gets the rest of the market moving. And now, after, since he in the, the three days since he signed, you're already starting to see a lot of activity in the free agent market. I don't know any of these guys at all. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't. You're the you and Maddie Lee are the baseball writers I know. I think uh, um, it just, especially with Shohei, with that story, it seemed like entitlement. It seemed like this frustration of we are entitled to know what's going on and for you to be leaking us things through back channels, and we're not getting anything, and we're gonna lash out about it. I think the entitlement portion it could come, it could definitely come off like that, like the. I had you had people talking about at the winter meetings, like, you know, screw this guy, X, Y, Z, and uh, and then it's like, all right, dog, like, (laughs) relax, right, relax. And there, there was a lot of entitlement that came with that. And I didn't like the tone of a lot of the stuff because I'm like, hey, man, y'all didn't do this to Bryce when he didn't sign somewhere, right? Like, why is it Shohei? Like, why are we, why are we doing this? And I'm not trying to say people are racist or anything like that but i'm saying the tone of what you're saying it could come off that way and so well, like you mentioned yeah, oh, this has been a trend i think this is trended in this direction where yes! the agents wait the longer last... and longer and longer and so i think yes. now it has built i i i would think that it has built up to a, a tipping point for them where this has been getting worse and worse every year from their perspective from the national baseball writers perspective and now it's with the biggest guy I mean, not just the biggest guy in the league, but the biggest guy in the world. Everybody wants yeah. to know where this guy is going to end up. When you said when you said that he gets big numbers, you're talking about reporters. You know, if you're on the Angels beat, who cares about the Angels? Just but when you're writing stuff about Otani, it's getting read globally. Yeah, that makes it. That's part of why he's a seven hundred million dollar player, isn't it? For sure, one thousand. Because you could stream these games. I mean, you're going to more than make your money back. You're going to. You are going to make money hand over fist i would imagine and i've talked to some people since the deal went down that estimate the dodgers could make their money back in the first six years of this deal and i think when you talk about he made the angels 
estimate $20 million in re annual revenue just off, like off marketing. That'll probably double with the Dodgers, bigger brand, uh, team with a higher valuation, et cetera. That number could be close to $50 million. If that's the case, you put that over a 10-year span, you're doing pretty well. Tickets are going to sell out. Those jerseys are going to sell out. He is must-see TV, all the brand-new advertisement that you're going to get because he's on your roster. I think it's a it's the selling point for him. Like his agent really didn't have to do much other than like, hey man, best player in the world, uh, best representative for your brand and franchise in the world as well. Mm -hmm. And it's like, well, all right, here goes seven hundred million. He'll even defer six eighty, <laughs> almost all of it. Yes. Um, are you happy where he ended up as a baseball fan? As a guy who just enjoys the sport at large, um, maybe you're not. You don't follow one team. You follow the entire sport. Mm -hmm. Are you happy as a viewer and as someone who just loves this league and this game with him on the Dodgers? I'm intrigued, right? By somebody who just loves the game of baseball, who ha it happens to be my profession, but like somebody who enjoys, like my job is stories now, right? Um, I'm intrigued by what if if you quit if you done. quit if you quit this job and became an investment banker tomorrow, you would still watch baseball all the time. You 1, would watch the baseball playoffs. You would follow 1, the league, not just the yes. Chicago teams or the team you grew up with or whatever. You you are so into it. Yeah. Do you like it as a fan? Do you like him with the Dodgers? I don't think I can answer that question in that way, just because I do what I do. But I'll answer it this way: I'm extremely fascinated by the entire thing. I think people are pissed the fuck off that he not only I think it's less about him going to the Dodgers and more about him deferring 98% of the salary. People are pissed about that. And it's wild. Mm. And people want to, oh, this is not fair and competitive balance. Ugh. Dude, any owner in all of baseball could sell their franchise for at least $1.5 billion right now. So we got to stop doing that. Also, he gave the same opportunity to all 30 clubs. Hey, here it here's what it is. And a team could decide if they want him or not. Also, I'm tired of this thing of, you know what? I'm glad my team didn't sign Show Hill Tommy. You're full <laughs> yeah, of shit. Right. You're full of shit. Like, I'm not trying to hear that. Like, there's a that's lot of okay, that though. out there. That's okay. That's no, okay. They say that no, about everybody. No, that, it's not. Come on. It doesn't it's have to be rational. It's stupid. It to, it's stupid. It doesn't have no, to make it's stupid. Sense. Because two days ago, you wanted Show Hill Tommy on your team, and now you don't. No, fuck that. Up. That's stupid. <laughs> it's well, dumb. I don't like dumb. I mean, Don't Miami's already doing that about That's Dame. They started doing that the second Dame month. Like I saw, I think it was somewhere on, on Labatar last week about like, yeah, but look at what Jaime Jaquez is doing. And I'm just Dog, like, oh, okay, okay, friends. Yeah, but sports, but sports has some dumbness to it, Russ. It's different no, for us because we cover it. No, I, I don't like dumb it. as a We're, fan of sports. I hate sports though. Emotions are dumb sometimes. Let them let them be mad for a little bit. They'll move on. They're not going to just crap on Otani forever. Let all those fan bases just be mad for a week and then get over it. That's part That's of it, ridiculous man. Ridiculous that what I Camp just said the about the Heat is the exactly right. It's exactly um, what people do, and it's I'm okay. Intrigued. It's I'm fine. This is supposed to be dumb. This team just had they have now three MVPs on the same roster in their primes. I'm intrigued from the standpoint of this is more money than we ever we've ever seen given to an athlete before. I'm intrigued from the standpoint of you know, I think it's realistic. Nobody knows what his health is going to be long term. I'm intrigued by that. I want to see him be the unicorn and be the guy we've seen for the first six years of his career. The reality is the guy's not even going to be able to pitch until next season. Right. Not this upcoming season. Next season, 2025. I'm intrigued by that. I'm intrigued by 
the marketing outside of baseball. I'm intrigued by the fact that this is going to cause a rift in the next CBA already. You're going to have teams that are like, hell no, we'll never let this happen again. I'm intrigued from the standpoint of would we ever see somebody get 90% of their salary deferred, right? Or are they going to shut that thing down? Um, because it's something that's come up in past CBAs and the two sides couldn't agree on that. Um, well, they definitely and I'm, shut that down because most of the teams can't do it, I don't think. You'll have a voting majority that doesn't want to do that. I, I And I think the one of the other things I, I'm intrigued by is does it even work? I think there's a lot of people that believe that it will. And if they win one World Series in 10 years, you're like, bet, done. We made our money back. We made money on top of that. And we won a World Series. Honestly, you can make the, 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 you could just say, hey, the Dodgers are going to be paying him with his own money by the time they get around to paying him the rest <laughs> of the deal, right? Because of, you know, what they'll be able to do with that money, meantime, between time, right. time value of money, et cetera. Um, so, yeah, it's extremely fascinating. They also, like, they cleared the deck two years ago, right? I know a lot of people say, oh, they have more revenue streams and money than everybody else. All that's true. They also haven't spent on anything outside of Freddie Freeman in the last couple of years, knowing that Shohei would be a free agent so that they could do this. I'm most intrigued to see how he's going to play the whole season when the only thing he can afford to eat is Lunchables because $2 million, Why are you acting know. like he a broke boy? Bro, I would be making two million doing this job out in LA. Are you doing the the the, the Jason Leisure thing? Or I'm you telling you, man. No, I'm just joking around. But <laughs> I've seen every house out there is a million dollar house. The, the guy it's, lives in Newport Beach, and she's fine. Houses me. you houses you wouldn't live in are million dollar homes. There, the guy is the poster child for New Balance right now. He's going to have every advertisement in the world. He already live in L.A. He made $30 million just from the Angels last year. He is – oh, that's the reason you could tell people, you know what? No, 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 no. Don't worry about this, the whole 700 Give me 20 over the next 10, and you're going to give me 680 after that, right? I do think it's interesting. People don't know this part. Um, the, the contract details came out. So they have to have uh, – start putting the first three years in escrow – by 2026. Is that every contract or is that just his NFL contracts work like that as well? Similarly, that we have to have okay. 80% of the money in escrow from the time the player signs. Yeah, it's it's anything with deferred money. So for this one specifically, by the time you get to the end of the 10 years, the following July 1st after the contract's over, he's getting a check of $68 million every July 1st for the next 10 after that. I did not know he was the poster boy, the face of New Balance, mm -hmm. because I I haven't seen a commercial of Jack Harlow striking him out or anything like that yet. He look those New Balance commercials are out there. <laughs> New Balance is not messing around. Jack Harlow and Kawhi are playing one on one. You know, Kawhi gets a couple buckets, but Jack gets a couple buckets on him too. You know, just like it would be in real life. Russ, let's do the news. All right. Do you remember when Tom Brady won the Super Bowl with the Bucks, and they had a boat parade? And there's this famous video of him throwing the Super Bowl trophy, the Lombardi trophy, from his boat to Gronk's boat. Yes. Tom Brady admitted this week that he was definitely drunk when he did that. 
tall Tom. We didn't know. The video is funny. I, I rewatched the video since he had been talking about it this week. His kid is sitting right there as he's about to do it, trying to get him not to. Dad, trying to no. be the responsible one on the boat. Dad, no. Yeah, there was that time I couldn't keep my drunk dad from throwing the Super Bowl trophy to another boat. The, the funny part about that video, thinking about it, is like Gronk could have like sliced his hand open. A lot of bad things could have happened, and that's kind of what Tom Brady was rehashing this week. Gronk said that Brady, you know how Brady has the TB12 diet and all of this mm -hmm. stuff. Gronk said that Brady hadn't been drinking hardly at all or maybe at all for a couple of years, and they get to the championship parade. And Brady has two drinks and he's already kind of loose. That's you know? hilarious. You have no tolerance built up. A couple of drinks and you're just like really feeling it. And Tom Brady go. Tom Brady says, quote, I was definitely inebriated because had I not been, I don't think I would have taken the chance realizing that that thing would have fallen 90 feet to the bottom of the bay. Thanks, Tom. In, in hindsight, watching the video, you know, sober and clear eyed, Tom Brady could see that was a terrible idea. It, I'm surprised it wasn't, oh, yeah, them dragging me around the streets of Tampa because I couldn't stand up on my own. That's when I knew I was drunk. <laughs> Russ, an 18-year-old kid in, I believe this is pronounced, pronounced Visalia, California. It's outside Fresno. Okay. An 18-year-old kid passed the bar exam this week and was sworn in as an attorney. Believed to be the youngest attorney in California history. His name is Peter Park. Here's how he did it. He started high school at age 13. Okay. This is what you got to do to be great. I don't know if you want to. Doesn't mm -hmm. sound maybe fun, fun, but he starts high school at age 13 and simultaneously at 13 enters this kind of pre-law program through Northwest California University School of Law. After he completes some college level proficiency exams to show that at 13, he'd be ready to graduate college anyway, just intellectually. So while he does that, he, he graduates high school in two years, starting at 13, and then focuses on law school and has all of this done by 18, as basically by taking proficiency exams and then taking the bar exam at 18 years old is done with everything, ready to practice law in the state of California. Wow. Now, I don't know how he's going to get clients because as much as I love this story, I want to, I want to, I want a lawyer that's got a little salt and pepper in the beard, you know? I don't think I want to be the guy that this, that Peter Park practices on when he's coming up. Yeah. Can you defend the DUI if you can't legally drink? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Good for him, though. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's got quite a future ahead of him. Uh, and finally, Russ and Rick Camp. You know I love a good story of a, uh, a failed animal smuggling. Have you ever heard the term prairie dogging it? If someone says, I'm, I had to prairie dog it or I'm prairie dogging it, do you know what that means? I do not. Campy, do you know that phrase or no? I know I've heard it, but it's been a while. Okay, well, hopefully some of the listeners do, because a guy was actually, literally, prairie dogging it at the Bangkok, Thailand airport. He had uh, two otters and a prairie dog in his underwear to try to smuggle through security and take to Taiwan. Otters are not the nicest animals. That is a Ew. wild, like, 
they're everybody thinks they're so cute, but you read anything on otters, they are not great. Well, I saw the picture of the prairie dog too, and I got to show you this, Russ. And you, you tell me if you're comfortable with this thing hanging out in your underwear because this thing looks like it could do some damage too. You want you want that rustling around in your drawers? I do not personally. No, <laughs> I do not. Claws and teeth. It's got this hungry look in its eyes. I don't think so. That's the actual. That's the actual prairie dog that was confiscated by the uh, Thai authorities, uh, according to the New York Post. Security noticed quote an unusually unusually large bulge wobbling about below the waist, end quote, and directed the man to go through an x-ray machine. So he had, these weren't just like, these animals weren't just free in his underpants, but I, they filmed, the Thai authorities filmed him taking these things out. So I was able to see this. Each of these three animals is in sort of a sock and then taped inside his underwear. I wouldn't trust that one of these otters or prairie dogs couldn't rip through a sock. I don't want any of that going on downstairs. That's not okay. I I don't know about you, gentlemen, but I'm assuming we're going to be on the same way. I'm like, I care far too much about what I got going on down there to put a prairie dog with sharp teeth and claws in the it's same the, vicinity. Yeah. I think the teeth and claws are a problem. I, I, it shouldn't, that shouldn't be happening in that no. area whatsoever. Uh, I, I'd like you to hear a statement from the Thai Customs Department, Russ. Okay. This is from Panthong Leuchelnant. Okay. Okay. It's probably Spokes as good as we could have done. Spokesperson for, the, uh, for Thailand's Customs Department. And now. Rick Camp. Reads. Quote, Thailand is not a gateway to smuggle exotic animals out of the country. We will catch anyone who tries to take animals on planes. End quote. Yeah, except that they won't because two months ago at this exact same airport, Russ, a man successfully got through security with, and you might want to take out a pen for this, an albino rat, three otters, 28 turtles, a snake, a marmot, which I don't know what that is. And two other unspecified rodents. And the reason that we know. Where? In, in Bangkok. Where did he hide them on his person? No, yeah, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> they said he I got through security. Yeah, yeah, he did. And the reason that we know that he did was because uh, one of the otters and the rat got loose in flight. And there is a foot-long otter running around the flight, freaking everybody out. So they don't, they're not going to catch everybody. Let's Let's... Step back with the tough talk there about we'll catch everybody. You know me. That I was don't two months ago. Be, you know, I don't think there should be any animals in the airport. Yes, I know. You have a strong stance on that, and uh, I, I'm inclined to agree. Unless I, I it's a seeing eye dog for yes. the visually impaired, you shouldn't get an emotional support animal just because you – you know, let me not say it because I don't want to get in trouble. Probably but not a good path for you to go down. If it's necessary, great. But I don't people wanna, I don't want to take my pet. I don't want to take my pet, my dog, to the airport at all, and I don't want to take him on a plane. You shouldn't get an emotional support animal because you shy. Like, what are we doing? <laughs> Strong take. Okay, that's the news. Oh man, like I was at the air I've been in the airport a lot recently and I'm just like, 
man, what are we doing here? This dog don't want to be here emotionally supporting you. <laughs> like, that's the other part. We got to stop pretending like the dogs want to emotionally support. I can't imagine any dog wants to be on an airplane. I just can't no. imagine any dog or cat is like, oh, this is exciting. I'm going to I'm going to take off in one place and, and I'm going to land in Denver. This is awesome. No, they're, they don't have any idea of what's going on. I also had a one another one of those experiences that I'll tell you guys about. Remember when I was on that flight from Seattle back to New York, long ass flight, and that lady had her bare ass feet on the wall? Yes. She was well, sitting next to Russ and she put her bare feet up on the kind of the wall in front and of she me. was on she was on the other side of me, Campy. I was in this in this mm-hmm. first class. I'm in, I'm in the seat on the aisle. She's on the window side of the opposite section, and she had her feet all up on the wall this brother uh took his shoes off and put them in the middle crevice of the seat in front of us and i'm like you a bold motherfucker because if i'm the person sitting in the seat in front where i can feel your feet on my arm you and me are gonna have to go look at this dog no is that this is no is that a ripped up sock or no okay still gross that looks at the bottom of the jeans are. I'm assuming this this is uh quite the move. Dog, it's so disrespectful. Mm-hmm. And his feet stunk. Yeah, there's gotta be some self-awareness about that. I just think the airplane is not the place for you to really get comfortable as though you're in a no. hotel room. No. No, I hated it. Every minute of it. He smelled like booze, like he had been mm-hmm. like I almost hit the button. I didn't do it. I thought about hitting the button and be like, ma'am, this person next to me smells like alcohol and his feet stink. I like how you, you, when you, in your imagining telling the flight attendant this, you switched into your Dave Chappelle voice. (laughs) Ma'am, this is alcohol. Um, Let's see. Yeah. I I just keep your, uh, I'm not anti shoes off on the flight, but you can't start putting your shoes. This is not your private space. They, I, not, I'm, it's I'm, not your living Jason, room, your couch. Jason, Jason, you know me. I'm 100%. I'm like 99% with you. If you get the seat with the little cubby hole in front, you can take your shoe off. Fine. I don't care. I won't see your feet. Um, But like that brother, the lady on that flight, you, I don't want to see bare feet on this flight. I don't want to smell your feet on this flight. It's also trusting an airline a lot that they're going to clean right, that properly. Right. And the it's lady like, that put her feet up, Campy, she walked onto the plane barefoot and was walking around nope. at the joint yeah, barefoot. I, I mean, it's it's not quite like a movie theater or something, but it's not far enough away to even this consider is, it. I still don't understand any of this. We don't even have to get into this, but it's transportation. Right. This isn't the hotel. This is like riding a train or the bus. Like, what are you, I, what are you doing? I'm I'm with you, dog. Like I'm not taking my shoes off unless I have the little cubby hole. Um, but e- either way, this has been I can get a little forgetful when I'm wearing flip flops. If I'm if it's summer and I'm going somewhere, I, I can I think it's different. I, I can lose track a little bit. It's a little. It's not because I think it's okay to just put my bare feet all you over. You barely place. feel them. I might have a little bit of a lapse because of the flip flops. Yeah. This has been a great addition of. Sports adjacent, want to remind everybody it is the holiday season, and you should go to our friends at Cheeks and Giggles. Go to sheetsgiggles.com forward slash SA to get $23 off your next purchase. Also, they have the buy one, get one half off. So while you're doing your Christmas shopping, you can say, Hey, I'm gonna get grandma some sheets. Also, grandma can get a pillow for half off. 
she can get if you want to be big ball in the shot column and give grandma a mattress you could do that and give her to the sheets for half off sheetsgiggles.com forward slash sa or use promo code sports that is promo code sports also brought to you by bet mgm you get up to fifteen hundred dollars in site credit back if you do not win your bet by using promo code adjacent 1000 that is adjacent 1000 still four weeks left in the football season you got bowl season coming up in college football basketball people have been really excited about you know what the in-season tournament was and you know campy's gonna be watching those christmas games very soon so bet mgm the king of sports books anything before we let the fine folks go if like russ you've never heard of prairie dog in it please look that up all right and we'll catch you guys next week thanks for listening to sports adjacent with jason leisure and russell dorsey be sure to download, subscribe, and give the podcast five stars. You can check out the latest episode of Sports Adjacent on all digital streaming platforms. I'm very much adjacent. For a couple hours, I thought I was hood. But then all that happened, I was like, you know what, James? You adjacent to the mother. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.